Well, amen. I hope you're standing on solid rock this morning. Amen? amen. Yeah, that's kind of weak. Some of you must be in the mud this morning. Amen? <laughs> How many standing on the solid rock? Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Daniel chapter 6. Amen. We got a solid rock. Jesus Christ. Man, it's not sinking. It's not cracking. It's not moving. It's not doing anything. Amen. I praise the Lord that I can count on the Lord. He's there continually, every day, every hour, every moment. He's always there. Even if you don't know that He's there, He's there. Amen. Amen. It's good to know we got a wonderful Savior. You say, Preacher, why do you come down talking? I'm helping some of you give you time to find Daniel chapter 6. Amen. Daniel chapter 6, begin reading verse 1. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give an account unto them, the king, uh, that, and the king should have no damage. Then said Daniel, uh, then this Daniel, I'm sorry, then this Daniel was preferred above the, prince, uh, the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find an occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents, princes, assembled together to the king and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found David praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Look with me back in verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Keep Your Windows Open. 
Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We need the hand of God this morning. Lord, I am nothing. And what I say means nothing except the Holy Spirit of God takes and uses the words that you've placed in my heart and mind. And Lord, that you would work in every heart here this morning. Lord, I don't know the hearts of man. You do. I don't know who's saved and who's lost. You do. I don't know what each person is going through, what's in their hearts, their minds. I don't know the difficulties or the struggles, but you do. Lord, I pray this morning that you would do a work that only you can do. Draw folks to you. The lost, the saved, those going through difficult times, those who are going through good times, that we might draw near to you. Lord, you say if we draw nigh to you, you draw nigh to us. Now, Lord, bless the preaching of thy word. Thank you for the songs that lift you up. And Lord, hide me behind the cross. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me. Use me as a vessel. Meet for the master's use. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. We're living in a, a time of a major cultural and Christianity clash where we're running head on with one another. Culture says one thing. True Christianity from the Word of God says something else. I mean, all day long we could stand here and we could point out and we could talk about what's going on in the culture that we live in this day and time. The struggles that we're facing, the difficulties that we see, the, the problems that's taken place, that's really because people have went away from the Word of God and the things of God. They've turned away. And, and sadly enough, many Christians and many churches are going right along with it. And that's not what's needed today. We don't need something that's wishy-washy and something that's been watered down. We need to stay right with the truth and stay with God's Word and stay right next to those things that are right. Our problem today is that we become weak-kneed and panty-waste, you might say, and we don't really stand for righteousness and godliness like we ought to. We need to get back to that. But realize that when you do, there's going to be a cultural class, clash. I mean, when you begin to preach uh, and hold up things that the Bible says, people don't like it. You see, when the light shines on sin and wrong, the world wants to do away with the light. You see, it's a lot easier to operate and do things that shouldn't be done in the dark. Why is it that so many people want to, when they do their crimes, they try to do it under the darkness of, of the day. And they try to do it when they can hide instead of doing it out in broad daylight when the lights are on. Daniel lived in a time with his own cultural clashes uh, he, as he lived for the Lord. Uh, and as he did what was right. He was a Jew that was carried off into captivity into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, him and, and several other Jews. And he, he didn't worship their God. They had many gods in, in Babylon. They worshiped many gods. And so there was always that clash. In fact, if you go, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, if you go back over into Daniel chapter 1, you find that he clashed immediately when he come into Babylon and they tried to get him to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine, which had been offered unto idols. And Daniel didn't want to do that, and so he talked to him about it and, and asked him to feed him beans. A pulse is what they called it. It's beans. And uh, to drink water instead of all the wine and stuff and, and compare him to the others who was eating all the, the king's food. But anyway, there was a clash immediately. Well, there's a clash today. But God blessed Daniel because of his faithfulness to live continually for the Lord, no matter what the cost was. You see, Daniel could have been put to death, very easily put to death, many years before this. 
because of taking his stand. But because of his faithfulness to the Lord, the Lord worked in his heart and in the heart of the king and promoted Daniel to a high position in the kingdom over even, even over the Chaldeans, which were from Babylon, and even over the Medes and the Persians, which had came in and defeated the kingdom and had taken over the kingdom. And now he's being promoted. He's, he's being lifted up. He's being exalted into a high place. If you look at that, they were going to appoint princes. And then those princes, over oh, those princes was going to be three presidents. But the highest ranking president was going to be Daniel. And everybody would come and they would report to those presidents. Those presidents would report to Daniel since he was the highest president. And Daniel would report to the king. And so th there was a clash because they didn't like the fact that here we got a Jew that's from, from Israel that is over us and, uh, and, and he don't believe in our gods. He don't do what we do. He's not like us and he's different and we don't like it. Such is the world today. If you take a stand for the Lord, the, I don't mean to be mean, but most of the world don't like it because it points out sin and things in their lives that shouldn't be there. And so we see that Daniel is in this position here where they have, have devised a plan to get rid of Daniel. That's really what it boils down to. And so we're going to look at this here this morning. And uh, first of all, Daniel was a preferred. He was preferred. Look with me here in verse 2 and 3. It says, And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, the king should have no damage. But notice what it says in verse 3. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was found in him. And the king sought to set him over the whole realm. You could see the advancement that the king was looking at in using Daniel here. The devil in the world wants to lie, uh, wants, wants to, lie to you this morning. And, and really what the, the world and, and Satan wants to tell you is this. If you live for God, if you live for God, if you take a stand, if you talk about Jesus Christ at work, if you talk about Jesus Christ in the store, if you live for the Lord and people can tell that you're a Christian, you'll never succeed. You'll never make it. That's what the world wants to tell you. That's what Satan wants you to think. I can't have friends. Listen to me, teenagers. Satan will tell you, I can't, you can't have friends if you're a Christian. People are going to look at you funny if you're living for God. Listen to me, young people. Satan in the world is going to tell you, if you live for the, for the Lord and, 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 you, and you try to do what's right and everything, you'll never have a good job. You'll never advance in, in the industries. You'll never be something in life. You'll never uh, be able to do anything great. The world and Satan would like to tell you, if you live for the Lord, you're not going to have a very good life. It's going to be boring. It's going to be, it's, man, it's going to be a bummer to be a Christian. That's what the world wants you to think. But notice here in our scripture, who was preferred? The one that lived for God. Look at the one that was promoted. The one that, was lit, that lived for God. So many times today, the world wants you to think that that's not possible. We find that the devil will always try to beat you down, but praise the Lord. Even Satan can't keep you back when you're living for the Lord. Amen? Amen. I said, even Satan can't keep you back when you're living for the Lord. Amen. You need to get that wrote down in your mind, in your heart somewhere. 
Some of you are living under the, 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 the theory that I can't have a boyfriend, I can't have a girlfriend, I'll never get married if I live for God. <laughs> you got that attitude, you probably don't need to get married. God's got somebody special for you. Well, preacher, I want to make a lot of money. Well, live for God. He'll take care of you. I didn't say he's going to make you have a lot of money, but he'll take care of you. Amen? Notice in verse 3 says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Why was Daniel preferred? He tells us right here, says, An excellent spirit was found in him. An excellent spirit was found in him. What was that spirit, preacher? The spirit of God. The Spirit of God was in him. And that's what they seen. They seen the Spirit of God in Daniel's life. And that's why he was preferred above all the others. Not because Daniel was anything great. Hey, when you, when you walk with God, you walk with the best. Man, you're slow this morning. When you walk with God, you walk with the best. Amen. And the fact is, is that, hey, if you're saved, you got, you're able to walk with the best. Amen. Some of you would just love, oh, I'd love to run down and, and put my arm in, in, in Patrick Mahomes' arm and stand out there and just let him take pictures of us. Puke. <laughs> I'd rather pick up this book and let him take pictures of it. He said, well, preacher... I'm a Chiefs fan. I don't care. I'm not against the Chiefs. I rooted for them last night. But there's a spirit I'd rather have. And that's the spirit of God. That's who I want to align with. That's who I want to be identified with. That's who I, I when, 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 when people look at my life, I don't want to say, oh, look at there, it's a Chiefs fan. I'd rather them say, yeah, there's a Christian. There's somebody that loves the Lord. We've seen that. You can enjoy the Spirit of God in your life. The Christian needs to realize we've got the best, not second-rate stuff. We've got the Lord. A lot want to get, you say, well, preacher, let's, that's good. Okay, now let's get over to the lion's den. Can I tell you something this morning? You can't get to the lion's den until you get the windows open. I like that saying. I'm going to say it again. <clears throat> you can't get to the lion's den and be delivered from the lion's den until you get the windows open. Amen. And too many Christians today have got the windows shut. We've got to get the windows open. We've got to get there. We need that power of God in our lives. But you can't get there until that Christian walks with the Lord and have that faithfulness, that, that excellent spirit abounding in your life as a Christian that is faithful to the Lord. I'm saying when you, when you go to work tomorrow, uh, can the lost world tell that, that there's an excellent spirit in you? Hey, when, when they see, can they see the difference in your life? Can they say, hey, that is, there's something special about them. There's something different about them. And they can see the spirit of God dwelling in your life because of the way that, that God is working in your life. Jesus said you ought to improve every area of your life. Well, I'm going to repeat myself. Jesus in you ought to improve every area 
of your life. Amen. You say, well, preacher, how come this area and that area has not been improved in my life? Probably because you haven't turned it over to him. As we turn it over to him, he will change it. You see, we're, new crea- we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The world's always looking for an occasion, by the way, against you. I don't know what it is. The world likes to see people fall. The world likes to see people fall. I guess it's so that they can exalt themselves. And the world is always looking for an occasion against Christianity and against Christians. Look at verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Now let me stop there for a minute. Notice that they sought to find occasion against him concerning the kingdom. Now stay with me. Buckle your seatbelt a little bit. How he worked. How much character did he have when he was working? Was he on time? Was he faithful? Did he skim off the top a little bit of the money that came in? Was he rude and mean to people at work? And on goes the list. You see, the world will look at your life as you live day to day. Your day to day life. That's how you live and work. Where you go, what you do in your everyday life. That's what they see. And if you give them opportunity, they will latch on to something and they will use it against you. They couldn't find any occasion against him or any fault against him concerning the kingdom. The way he lived before people. His honesty. His dependability. Let me, let me say something to you here. If you're going to go into a restaurant somewhere and you're going to sit down and you're going to eat a meal and, and you gripe and complain about the way something's fixed and throw a little hissy fit and create a scene and then when you get ready to leave, you're going to leave a gospel track. Can I tell you something? Don't leave a gospel track with this church name on it. Say, well, we're supposed to be a witness. Oh, you were. You were. You guys out on the basketball court. You get fouled or something happens, you don't like the way it goes. What's your speech like? People are watching. People are listening. How about when you're driving down the highway or, or in town and somebody cuts you off? As a bus driver, I get all kinds of salutes. I just chalk it up to their IQ. Oh, I see you got a number one IQ. Oh, okay. <laughs> People are watching. 
They were watched continually in your life. They were sought for an occasion against him concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. When the lost world and the devil wants to bring you down and wants to shine a bad light upon your testimony for the Lord, wants to shine a bad light upon the church, wants to shine a bad light on the Lord himself, they'll look for an occasion against you in your daily life, your work, whether you're at the store, whether you're at the ball court, whether you're at the family reunion, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever you say, they're looking for an occasion. You say, well, preacher, I'm not perfect. Can I tell you this morning, neither was Daniel. There's only been one perfect person. His name was Jesus. Look at what it says, but they could find an occasion nor fault. Now look what it says. The next, next five words there. For as much as he was faithful. For as much as he was faithful. Why couldn't they find a, an occasion in his life against him concerning the kingdom? Because he was faithful. Oh, he was faithful to the king? Yes. Oh, he was faithful to his work? Yes. Oh, he was faithful to? Yes. But you know where that faithfulness started at? In his faithfulness unto the Lord. Can I tell you something this morning? When you're faithful to the Lord, it will bleed over into every single area of your life. But when you're unfaithful to the Lord, it will bleed over into every single area of your life. Years ago, I hadn't been passing real long. Wasn't real sharp. Still ain't very sharp. Been passing a lot longer. Still ain't sharp. Young couple, got them in church, and boy, they was excited and everything. And next thing I know, they was falling out of church, and they wasn't there on Sunday. And, and then they wasn't there again, and they wasn't there again. And so I called, hey, they're missing you, just checking on you or whatever, you know, and just, is there a problem or anything? And no, we just went there. Okay. They come back, and then later on, they started missing a bunch more. I called, hey, everything okay? No, I don't have to be in church to worship God. I said, Whoa. I said, well, I said, you know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, such as the manner of some is. Hebrews 10, 25. It is in the Bible. Just want to be an encouragement to you. Hey, Lord. Well, I think that we need to come down and talk to you, preacher. I said, okay, come on. They come down and they sit down across from me in, 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 the, in, the, uh, in the office that I was in there and and boy, they be, he began to unload on me. And, and we don't have to be in church. We can worship the Lord anywhere we want to. And, and, and I, this stuff, of, you know, we don't need to do all this stuff. I said, just a minute. I said, you believe the Bible? Yes, we believe the Bible. I said, well. He said, we can have church at home. I said, who's the missionaries you're supporting? What? Who's taking up the offering? What are you doing with the offering? That God wants taken up. Why? I said, uh, what about your outreach? Huh? I said, uh, you go soul one, you tell people about Jesus Christ? What? I said, these are all things that, the, that we're supposed to do. As a church. Well, I don't have to do that stuff. I said, let me explain something to you. 
I said, you're being unfaithful to God and to his word. And I was nice. I know it's hard for you to believe, but I was nice. I said, you're being unfaithful to God and his word. It will manifest itself in your and her relationship. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm here to warn you. If you're unfaithful to God, you two will be unfaithful to one another. I said, anything that you do in your life spiritually manifests itself in your, in your daily life. He got mad. They stomped out. Within a few months, she was seeing somebody else. There was difficulties in the marriage. Make a long story short, a lot of unfaithfulness in the marriage and divorce. See, what are you saying, preacher? Faithfulness starts with God. And it will manifest itself into every area of your life. That's why Daniel was found faithful in the kingdom. is because he was faithful to God in the greatest kingdom. The kingdom of God. To live for the Lord and to serve Him. So he was found faithful is why, he, is why that they could find no wrong with him. The reason they, was found, they found no fault is because, not because he was perfect but because he was faithful to the Lord and put the Lord first in his life. Let's look at the beginning of Daniel's journey here as, as, when he was brought into the enemy territory. I mentioned this a while ago when he was carried away into captivity in, in Daniel chapter 1 there in verse 8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. From the very beginning, Daniel, <coughs> excuse me, from the very beginning, Daniel was faithful to the Lord. And the Lord, Daniel's life was enhanced or strengthened by his faithfulness to God. Is, is, do you wonder why that we're so weak sometimes in, in our nation and so weak sometimes in some areas of our lives? It's because we're not faithful to God like we ought to be. We need to get back to that faithfulness. As you seek to live faithfully for the Lord and put him first in your life, the Lord will strengthen your life so that it will be a good testimony and a good example before a wicked world. Well, they knew already about Daniel, what he believed. Look with me in verse 5. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They said, if we're going to find anything wrong with this fellow, if we're going to come up with anything wrong, we're going to have to do something so that what he believes in is wrong in what we believe in. Does that sound familiar today? This world, isn't it amazing? And, and I, I hate to, and, I, and I'm going to bring it up because I think it needs to be said. Isn't it amazing when Tim Tebow used to take a knee and, and thank the Lord and pray? That boy, I tell you what, the news media and everybody had a screaming, yelling, baby hissy fit and just pampered themselves and sucked on their thumb and boy, they were just put out. But wasn't it amazing when this, I forget the fellow just recently that got smacked or he tackled a guy and all of a sudden everything was just right and he just stepped back like that and just fell over with the heart problem. 
But boy, they all fell to their knee, didn't they? Even the news announcers, oh, we need to pray. Convenience for what you want. But here's a man that was living out his belief and his faith, and they're against it. I'll tell you something. God is not a spare tire. Preacher, you mean you didn't pray for God? I, I pray for God. I think, I think we should pray for him. But what I'm saying is there's a double standard. And what there is, there's a culture clash there. And this world doesn't like it when you shine the light upon, upon the, the, the sins and their lies by living for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll never forget. I've told this story before. We used to, when I was in electronics business years ago, used to set the satellites. We would use rockite and concrete, a premix, and we would mix them together with hot water, and we could hang a 10-foot dish in 45 minutes. That pole would be set that solid. But we had to use hot water. And so we, would, we carried five-gallon buckets. We would go in and we asked the people, can we get some hot water out of your bathtub? Sure, you can go ahead. I remember one house went in. I thought, oh, this is kind of scary. I said, can I get some hot water out of your bathtub? They said, sure, down the hall and, and to, the, to the left there. I walked in there like that and reached over, flipped the light on, and I mean cockroaches went. <laughs> Why? Because they don't like the light. Sin doesn't like the light. And when you live faithfully for the Lord, it's a light upon sin. And they try to scurry back for the darkness. And after a while, they quit scurrying. They try to get rid of the light. And so Daniel had this testimony of a reputation that he served the only true God of heaven. And his faith was a practicing faith, not a spare tire faith. You say, preacher, you said that twice. You said spare tire water. What do you mean? I'm talking about you only get it out when you feel like you really need it. I mean, in this room, how many? And there's probably some, some people with OCD. I guess that's the right term anymore. I don't know if I got the letters right. How many of you check the air in your spare tire regularly? Praise the Lord, I don't feel bad. <clears throat> But when you have a flat tire, what's the first thing that comes across your mind? I hope that, flat, that spare tire has got air in it. <laughs> and sometimes people's faith is nothing more than a spare tire. They never, never use it, never are faithful to the Lord. Their faith is never there until they need a spare tire. So things are going bad. That's not the way Daniel's faith was. It was continual. It was, he had a reputation. They knew what he believed. And they, 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 they knew that he prayed. And they knew that he asked petitions of God. And they also knew that, that, it was, that he was solid and he was sold out and, and wouldn't change his faith, even though that they'd pass a law like that. that nor would they, he, he, that he served the Lord unashamedly. Could people say that about you and me? What could people say about our faith in the Lord? Well, they go to church, but on Monday, oh, they go to church, but when you're in a business dealing with them, oh, they go to church, but when they get mad, 
What could people say about our faith? He prayed and he sought for God for the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He told old Nebi, he told him this in verse 28 of Daniel chapter 2. He said, but there is a God in heaven. He went on to say, he's the one that's given the interpretation. Not me, but he's the one. And then when Nebuchadnezzar's son was sitting there and drinking out the, the vessels from the temple of God from Jerusalem and, and everything, and the hand comes up on the wall and begins to, to write the, this uh, uh, something out on the wall and nobody could interpret it. They call for Daniel and Daniel begins to, to share with him. He says, listen, he said, your father... Was, was wicked and turned against God and God put him on his knees uh, for so many years and everything until he learned that there was a God in heaven that he served God and he began to live for God. He said, now you're drinking out of the, the vessels of God and you have turned your back on what your father believed in and everything. He said, now you're going to lose the kingdom. Daniel didn't mind telling it like it was. Because his faith was in God and not in man. He wasn't afraid of man because his faith was in the Lord. He always expounded to them of the great God that was in heaven. They knew these, these princes and these presidents, they knew that he would pray to his God in heaven as he always did. They knew it. What if somebody was talking about you, do they know that you'll live for God? Do they know that you'll be faithful to God? Do they know that no matter what comes, you're going to stick with God, even if it costs you? Even if it costs you? They knew that about Daniel. They'd watched him. Can I tell every person in this room, there are people watching your life daily. It's your kids, your grandkids, your spouse. It's, it's your siblings. It's, it's your neighbors. It's your coworkers. It's the people that you're acquainted with. It's your friends. It's, it's all these people are watching your life daily. Could it be said, as it was about Daniel's life, oh, we know what he'll do. Even though this thing is written, and even though he, it says that he'll go to the lion's den, I know what Daniel's going to do. He's going to pray like he always has. And they were right. What about our lives? What about our lives? What do people see in our lives? Daniel knew what they were up to, but he prayed as he did before. Look in verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew... Hmm? Now when Daniel knew, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he had heard about it. He wasn't there when they went before Darius, and he wasn't in on their little plot to do all this. But he'd heard about it. He went into his house, and look what he says here, and his windows being opened, open, in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God. And notice what it says, as he did aforetime. He said, you know what? I'm not changing anything. I serve a risen 
or a wonderful God. And I'm not changing anything. Every day he'd go in and open those windows, face towards Jerusalem, towards where the temple was. That was what the Jews were supposed to do. And he'd get down and he'd pray. They knew that. They knew that. People, no doubt, had walked by his house, seen the windows open, heard him praying. They knew that. But after he heard about the decree, he did like he did before time. He went and he opened the, the windows uh, up and he knelt down as he did aforetime, time and he began to pray and thank God and, and, and call upon the God of heaven just like he had before. Can I tell you that you'll never get to the power that was in the lion's den until you keep your windows open. Until you do like you did aforetime in serving God. Daniel could have compromised. He could have found excuses for not maintaining his faithful prayer life. He could have said, you know what? Just 30 days. And I can be more of a witness and I can be more of an example here if I'm alive. So I'll just pray to myself quietly the next 30 days. He could have just left his windows open or closed. Prayed in secret. Prayed quietly. Nobody would have known. He could have went somewhere for 30 days. He was a president. He could have went and said, I'm going to go check out this part of the country over here. He could have went somewhere for 30 days and still prayed towards Jerusalem. But he didn't. He did as he did aforetime with the windows open. And he prayed. You see, what are you... What, what, what was that all about? He took a stand for God. You know what this world needs today? They need Christians who keep the windows open. Who will take a stand for God. Who will live for the Lord. Because that will have a greater impact in their lives than anything else. That will have a great, the greatest impact in their lives when they see that we do not change because of inconvenience or because of problems. Daniel kept the windows open. Look at verse 10 again. It says, Daniel knew that the writing was signed. He went into his house and his windows being open. He kept them open. He kept doing what he did aforetime. We need to keep the windows open. With the cultural clash that we have today, I had a little bit of that this week with somebody who didn't like what I had to say about this wokeness of about uh, boys being boys and girls being girls. This gender identity. Say, preacher. That person was looking for a church. I was kind, and I explained where I stood, and that God created man and he created woman. He didn't create Adam, Eve, and something. He created man, and he created woman. 
And can I tell you something this morning? He didn't make any mistakes. Well, I was just mistaken. I'm, I'm just this person in this other body, and, and I'm just, you know, I, I just need to... No, God didn't make any mistakes. It's the world telling you that. It's the culture telling you that. The culture clash that we come up against. I'll tell you what, there's a clash between that book that you're holding in your hands and this world. Always has been, by the way, and always will be until the Lord comes back. I don't intentionally try to hurt somebody's feelings, but I'm not going to change what that book says for nobody. And I'm not going to change what I preach. I've had, I've had people say, preacher, you better be careful when you, when you talk about preaching against homosexuality and all that. Why? It's in the book. The Bible says it's an abomination. Preacher, you better be careful when you, when you start talking about, about uh, 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 gay marriage. Well, there's nothing happy about it. They messed up that word a long time ago. So you're just being mean. No, 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 no. I'm sticking with that book. We talked about Adam and Eve. He said they, they twain became one flesh. That's marriage. It wasn't Adam and Steve. It's Adam and Eve. I like that song. I wish I could get that song. A group sang one time, and they sang about the, they said, you don't ever see a two roosters walking arm in arm across the, across the, the farmyard, the barnyard. My friend, that book will straighten out a lot of our messes. If, if, if we'll keep the windows open. We've got to keep the windows open. Keep the windows open in your prayer life. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Keep, them, keep the windows open and doing right. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what the world does. Just keep doing right. Keep praising the Lord always, wherever you're at. doesn't matter if it offends somebody. Just keep praising God. Keep the windows open. Keep witnessing and telling others about Jesus Christ. Keep the windows open so that they know who you love and who you're serving. Keep, the, keep on reading your Bible and keep the windows open. Don't be ashamed of the Lord or living for him. Keep the windows open. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew the first, and also to the Greek. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 8 and verse 38 Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with holy angels. Hey, preacher, what are you saying? Keep the windows open. We need churches that's got the windows open. That this world might see that we don't change with the times, but we stay with the book. Then you'll experience the Lord closing the mouths of the lions in your life. That's when you'll see God close the lion's mouth. But you've got to learn to keep the windows open. This morning... I didn't preach about salvation. But there may be somebody here this morning that if you don't know, you don't know if you was to die today that you'd go to heaven. My friend, come. Let's take a Bible and show you because Jesus Christ loved you so much that he did die for you. 
He took your sin and my sin. It was placed upon him as he went to Calvary. It was hung upon him and he died in your place and my place. And his blood cleanses us from all sin. But the Bible says that we must confess that we're sinners. And that we must ask the Lord to forgive us of our sin. That's, that's repentance. And ask Jesus Christ to come in our hearts and lives and save us. He said, and whosoever shall call upon him, Lord, shall be saved. But it's with the heart. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confessions made unto salvation. I want to keep that window open of salvation to all. Because so many need Jesus Christ. It's so important today, Christian. Maybe you just need to come and find a place here and say, Lord, help me to keep the window open. I'm facing struggles. and facing problems where I'm at. There's, there's, I'm in a clash. Lord, help me keep the windows open. But let the Lord have his way if he spoke to your heart this morning. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the mercy and goodness that you've shown unto us. Thank you, Lord, for men that, women that's went before us, Lord, like Daniel. We can name so many. Lord, they've kept the window open that we might have a picture of how we're to live. In such a time as this, Lord, when there's such a culture class, when there's such a, 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 a battle and Satan is trying to, to put out the light, Lord, help us to shine brighter than we ever have before. Have your will and way in our lives, Lord. I don't want to be mean, Lord. I just want to be, be uh, what you want me to be. Lord, help us to serve you. Help us, Lord, to have a, a good spirit and to magnify you. For this I pray in Jesus' name.